good to uh, be in the house of the Lord today. A couple of uh, observations here. One, man, if you weren't here on uh, Wednesday night or if you failed to pick up your book, uh, we have copies of A Life Together by Bonhoeffer. Um, please come on up and grab one after, uh, after church. Uh, a piece of housekeeping, and I'll have to say it uh, several more times, I think. Last Sunday, following Sunday school, it was extremely rowdy upstairs. Um, I came out of my office at one point. Gene had to settle the kids down, and even Ken came from all the way down here to go all the way up there. So we are going to bring the children downstairs after Sunday school. And please tend to your kids. If you want them to get out some energy and it's too cold outside, go upstairs with them. That's all I'm asking for. Um, we, you know, they, you get kids together, or frankly, any amount of people, you can get a frenzy going uh, if they have no, uh, no, no confines, no structure. So if you'll please be mindful of that. Um, so anyway, I just, I just say all of that to you to say, um, help us out there. And uh, if, if somebody wants to take the lead in organizing parents uh, for the winter season to supervise their kids inside so that there's a rotation. So, they, you know, I'm, I'm not opposed to kids making noise upstairs, okay? If you've ever been upstairs on any other Sunday, you know that I don't mind that. But there's a difference between making noise, even getting some running out of your system up and down the hallway because it's cold or wet, and um, the type of frenzy we experienced last week. So, <clears throat> and, and actually I came out of my office more because of the tone of what I was hearing than it was the, the, even the noise level. So I just want to encourage all of you after Sunday school, we're going to bring the kids down and then uh, please tend to your children. <laughs> and I'll say this, um, just as a point of reference, I, I feel like in speaking this, every church I've ever attended, I've said these things, other pastors have said these things, deacons have said these things, and yet um, it never sticks, um, that um, you, of course, are responsible for your children. Please uh, be mindful of that. We are by a busy road, and if you're letting them run outside... Um, I'm all for that. I want them to run outside, get dirty, explore the world. That's all great. But but please be mindful of your own children and what their location is. Did the lawyers write that statement? No. <laughs> I'm just saying that every church I've ever been to, things start getting out of hand. Kids almost get hit. Church, The church leadership speaks to the church. It lasts about five minutes. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm definitely not a helicopter parent. But, but I could tell you that one of the things I did with my kids following church growing up is I would walk outside the uh, and stand on the outside door area of the church just so there was an adult minding things. And just so you know, in case you're not certain of this, and I know some people are doing this, but, but we, get, we get all kinds of interesting folks that wander through the property um, we don't want to put our kids at risk. Yes. If, if this has been an issue at every church that you've ever been to and something gets said about it and nothing ever happens, maybe there's a different solution that's needed. Um, uh, do you have a specific 
advice have have you always been really good at this with your own kids and what did you do that you would recommend us to do differently because i know we're very much encouraged to you know get into other people's lives sure some of us that are so busy this is kind of the only time that we have to do it would we be willing to assign a young adult that we trusted to uh make more constructive games that would kind of keep the kids focused or should we assign a different father or mother uh, each Sunday to be that person and, and then cycle through or something? So, so since you asked, before I answer that, Andrew, you had a comment you wanted to make? I mean, yeah, basically, Ashley and I have been talking about that. Yeah. Like different, like, parents to rotate to, like, coordinate, like, yeah. games or something to do, like, after church. Situation. I volunteer myself as tribute, but we should have a bigger <laughs> list because I don't want to do it every... Right, right. So, right. so it, maybe you weren't in the room yet, but I, I did actually say perhaps there's some parents in the room that would coordinate an organizational effort to that, okay? Uh, all I'm saying is your pastor doesn't need another thing to organize and run. That's right, but it's our, it's, our covenant, it's our covenant children. We all care. We want them to be safe. We don't want anybody to get hurt or the kids to get so riled up that somebody gets knocked in the head. Um, and so all, all I'm saying is, yes, good, good idea. Get with the deacons, talk about it, but, but then let's work together to uh, maintain the safety of our kids. Let's pick that up after, uh, after Sunday school. If you want to have some more discussion on that, I w- I'm certainly open to it. But, but to answer your question, I was always outside not, watching everybody. And if I saw a stranger come up, which we were on a city street, so it happened more frequently, Excuse me. I actually walked down and introduced myself every single time, hopefully to engage them to come to church, but also um, certainly to let them know we're paying attention. All right, let's get started here this morning. We got a lot of ground to cover, and so uh, we are going to be looking at Psalm 83 and its connections throughout the scriptures here this morning. Uh, let us open up with a word of prayer. Our God and our Father, we give you praise. We thank you for your great kindness. Lord, I pray that you would grant us wisdom and understanding in regards to your word. And Lord, we we just love and appreciate the fact that you are our defender, you are our shield, and we can bring our petitions to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, some of the connections here are, um, we'll call them a, a pretty reasonable construction of uh, biblical study, but I don't know that you can say 100% absolute, you'll understand what I'm saying here in just a second, all of these connections, but if not, this psalm, Psalm 83, is going to overlay into the historical scenario that I lay out for you here today, or that we discuss and look at the scriptures. So, uh, with that, um, we're going to start with Psalm 83. Would someone please read the first eight verses of Psalm 83? And then I would like a second person to follow right up and read verses 9 through 18. So who would like to, if I get a hand on the first one, okay, I've got Donald. Who's got the second half? Jana? Okay, please proceed. Psalm 83. Oh God, do not keep silence. Those who hate you have raised their heads. They lay crafty plans against your people. They consult together against your treasured ones. They say, come, let us wipe them out as a nation. 
Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they conspire with one accord. Against you they make a covenant. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and Haggai, Jabal, Amnon, and Amalek. Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre, Ashur has also joined them. They are the strong arm of the children of Lot. So last week we read, uh, or we discussed a little bit about how sometimes we're uncomfortable with the nature of some of the Psalms to ask God to come in um, both judgment and mercy, right? Like judgment and deliverance. We, we Sometimes we're uncomfortable with those types of, of prayers, with those types of things that we see in the scripture. And does anyone remember... Th- the two things that we identified as our reasons for that cautiousness? Anybody? Well, Miss Jeannie brought up last week that it's because we recognize that if we ask God to come in judgment, right, um, are, are we walking right with God? Our sense of our own personal undoneness in this way. And, of course, I want to admonish you, um, don't let that, now, live holy confess your sins the Christian life is a confessional life we're going to confess our sins we're going to follow the biblical narrative to make things right all right and then understand that it's Christ's righteousness who covers you so you can call on God right you don't have to be sinless to call on God to come in judgment and to bring deliverance right because we're, we're pretty comfortable asking God for deliverance um, we're not always so comfortable about asking God to come in judgment. And, and what is the, what's the second reason? And I think this is what's happened to a great deal of, of many Christian churches today um, in relationship to uh, calling on God to make them like whirling dust and chaff before the wind, right, and to burn them up like the forests on the mountainside. Um, it, that seems, at first blush, to contradict what? Jesus saying, uh, you know, turn the other cheek, pray for your enemies. He didn't say what to pray, though. <laughs> okay, that's right. I think, you know, what does it mean to love your neighbor? We, we've heard a lot of these kinds of things um, admonishing us to not worship, to follow in the, the, the lemmings, if you will, follow the crowd. Do what they're saying because, you know, you're not loving your neighbor if you're not doing this or you're doing that or, or this sort of thing. Um, and so it, I, I think, first of all, it, it's to remember that, that our God is holy, he's righteous, and that to ask him to come into to judgment is grace and mercy, right? If he, if he 
takes down the wicked and delivers his people, right, that that is grace and mercy. And again, I think our prayers should be, um, you know, put together and structured in such a way where, Lord, uh, deliver their hearts to you, change, their, change them, and if they refuse you um, to, um, to remove them. You know, one of the troubles that I think we have is we're going to talk about some, some correlating things. If you look at this, and, and there's a number of scholars who have made this assertion, they, they think that this was part of the prayer, part of the calling out, of, uh, of the King Jehoshaphat when Moab and Ammon and all those folks in Second um, Chronicles chapter 20 are assailing them. And one of the things we hear in Psalm 83, we see a lot of the same, the same people groups being associated here in this, this prayer. So that was the first thing that kind of brings your attention to that potential situation. But we often feel like, man, Israel had it easy because at least... When they were praying these things, there were actual armies they could see in battle gear and weapons coming against them, right? And for us, we don't live in a world, at least where we are in the United States, where, where your enemies uh, dress up and are wearing firearms and are, are marching to where you are to take you out. Now, I would argue that from a... a uh, a plan from a from from efforts that they are doing such things that those that hate God are doing such things they're just wearing uh, you know skinny jeans and and you know, they're just wearing regular clothes is what I'm saying in other words they, or they might wear a suit and a tie um, and but but they're still enemies of God although and they're and they're saying things that are just as a, an affront to God, an affront to God's people, and attacking and scheming against God's people. And that, of course, I think, um, if, if we could see everyone's badge in their heart and say, oh, no, there's someone that hates God and, and is scheming against God, that might be easier. But, but nonetheless, I think the principle still applies. So if somebody could turn to, let's get three people to turn to... Uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20, and uh, we have 25 verses. We're going to read this whole passage here, and I want us to read, uh, so, so eight, eight verses, one through eight, okay, Naomi, then nine through, um, what would that be, uh, 17, and then someone finished 18 to the end. So who would like to be the second reader? So I have Naomi as the first reader, who's second? Um, okay, and third in the back. Okay, go ahead. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. And uh, then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Hamar. And Jehoshaphat feared and sent himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, 
so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it, and you have, and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, Should evil come upon us, a sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry to you in our distress, and you will hear and deliver us. Now behold the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom ye did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. They turned aside from them and did not destroy them. See how they're rewarding us by coming to drive us out from your possession, which you've given us as an inheritance. O our God, we do not judge them, for we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, their children. Then in the midst of the assembly, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mattaniah, the Levite of the sons of Asaph. And he said, listen all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jericho. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, excuse me, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Shiloh. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat said, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in the prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those that were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went out before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. How far was I supposed to go? All the way to the end, please. I'm sorry. I got my numbers wrong. <laughs> when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the Lord, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoils, they found among them in great numbers good clothing and precious things, which they took to themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking the spoil, it was so much. On the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of that place has been called the Valley of Baraka to this day. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat at their head, 
returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of the house of God was quiet, for his God had gave him rest all around. Thus the house of God reigned over Judah, who was 35 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. That, that's good right there. I'm sorry. So, so we have this long passage here that lays out a particular situation. You'll notice a few things in there. Um, first of all, you find the same, the same folks that are rising up against um, Israel uh, or Judah here. And so they're, as, they're, as they're rising up here, you see that in, in Psalm 83, you find a correlation there. But there's something very interesting. Yes, sir. Um, I, I know uh, Mount Seir is a reference to the descendants of Esau. Mm -hmm. And I know uh, Moab is descendants of... Uh, Who's in Sodom and Gomorrah? Talking about Lot. Lot. Yeah. Um, who is Ammon also a descendant of? Who, who's Ammon? Uh, so a Ammon, I'm pretty certain, is also a descendant off of Lot. When I was also doing from so, Lot. yes, okay. when I was doing reading on this earlier, I seem to recall that. Yes. So it, it's it's very interesting because these are not just random oppositional people. These are people who could have been in the covenant, who should have been in the covenant who are bitter at the fact that they are not, and they are coming to wreak havoc on those who have gotten the blessing. So this is a person, this is a brother on brother uh, to, to a certain extent. That's right. That, and, and, and that seems to take the, the theme of it, but you also see as you look at the broader context of this is there's also kind of out in the distance is Assyria on this who, who haven't quite become the Babylonians, but they're, but they're, they're sort of like the the sideshow, because the, the main emphasis is, are those that um, just because they're, they're not of the, the, uh, the line of, of uh, Israel doesn't mean that all of those people could have been in the covenant. They could have been absorbed in, and some of them were over time. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but how, how is Assyria associated with this? Is Assyria putting them up to this? Um, no, but, but in some of the other passages, you can see that there's this tie-in to Assyria as, as, as having kind of showed up, but they didn't kind of come into the camp. And, and, and I'm not going to go into all those details just now. But, but well, the but, psalm does, so I feel like maybe we should. But. Right, um, <laughs> except for we have, we have 18 minutes, and I, wa I want to yeah. get over the, the larger thing here. And, 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 and a couple of things here. The, the enemies of God show up, are, are marching out, they're coming they're coming against them, and uh, just the idea of the tents, by the way, that's not because simply they were nomadic peoples, because they had cities. These were the armies. These are the military tents that are coming out against them. And, of course, I, I, do, like, I do like Jonathan's point. Um, they coveted what someone else had, and really what they coveted is they wanted the position of being... Um, the, the, the priests of the world because then they were the, the, the mediator between God and the world. They, they, they coveted, and if you think about that in terms of, of what it means to, um, to covet and then also uh, understanding uh, to, to, you know, the whole structure of, of what it means and what Satan was doing. He wanted to displace God. You have all of these things going on. They want what what others have. This makes yes. me think of the uh, statement our denomination just put out on anti-Semitism, and 
I, I, I have read it, but yeah, I saw it this morning. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's playing out today. And, and, but, but I think most importantly, I don't want us to lose sight of what happened here, right? And, and when you look at Psalm 83 and they're, and they're praying for deliverance, I think, I think that fits in here. And again, what happens? They, 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 they come together at the place of worship, which is in Jerusalem, and they, and they pray and they sing, right? They call out to God. And then what do they do when they go out to battle? says they were what? They were singing, right? They're going out to worship. Now, here's the thing. Understand that you can both worship God, call for his deliverance, and make preparations, right? So when they went out, were they simply singing, or do you think they had their soldiers with their gear on? Do you think their soldiers, there were wagons pulling food along with them, right? So there, there's the part where we begin with God and we're looking for God for deliverance and we are praising God and trusting God, but we should also be making preparations, physical preparations. Pastor, it sounds like you're not willing to let Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness I'm not driving that Chevy. <clears throat> anyway, the, the, the point here is that they, they went out and they praised. And, and you can look at Psalm 47... Um, is connected here, and, and this is um, where we look at this, where uh, this is presumably um, the song that they were singing as they were going out to battle, Psalm 47. Um, who would like to read Psalm 47, just nine verses? Jonathan? Uh, that one. Yes. This is a KGB. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellent who escape us with his own. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises unto our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth, sing his praises upon his servants. God reigneth over the heathen, God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. The princes of the people are gathered together, even the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong unto God. And so, um, th- this this whole idea here of of God is King, He's going to triumph. He's our shield, right? And and you know when we as the church, we as Christians, stand against evil, when we stand against those that are raging against God, we are asking God to bring deliverance. We're not sitting in a room scheming, with, uh, adjusting our sniper rifles to take out the bad guy. Okay, I'm not against sniper rifles, but that's not its point. That's not the point. The point is that we need to be going before God. We need to be singing the psalms here in our church service. You need to be singing psalms with your families. And, and yes, when your kids ask you questions and you say, wow, that doesn't seem to, you know, when you tell me I'm supposed to love my brother and love my neighbor, this doesn't quite fit, you know, it gives you a chance to answer their questions. And... Um, I know I'm your pastor, and so sometimes it seems like uh, Mandy's got a lot of answers, and I'm sure some of you have asked me things, and I've had to ponder it a little bit. But the, the, the thing I would want to say to you is when you engage your own family in this way, um, your kids are going to ask you questions, and you're not always going to have the answer. Not right then. I want to encourage you, go get the answer. Go search it out. 
Yes, sir. Absolutely, absolutely. Singing and praising in prison. You think he was singing something like this, like tear down this jail and then the jail fell down? That's right. He was doing what God told these people to do, whereas they were in the fighting mode. Mm -hmm. But God said, just calm and, down and, and sing a song. And that's exactly, that's exactly what he told them uh, crossing the Red Sea. You know, I, I, will, I will fight this battle. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very... So, so, you know, following this, Psalm 48, um, who can read um, Psalm 48 for me, please? Um, let's half of Psalm 48, 1 through 7, and then I need 8 through 14. Yes, go ahead and read one through Psalm 48, verses 1 through 8, and then who wants to do the second half? Joel up front. Okay, go ahead. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, Jerusalem, elevated him as greater than all those. Mount Zion went far more than the city of Jerusalem. The banners that are now espoused to him are more than his nobles. For behold, the kings assembled, they came on together. As soon as they saw it, they astounded. They were in panic, they took to flight. Trembling took hold of them, they were angry for they had come up a long way in the earth. To the east wind he shattered the ship. According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad. Because of your judgments, walk about Zion, and go all, and go <clears throat> walk about Zion and go all around her. Count her towers. Mark well her bulwarks. <coughs> Consider her palaces, that you may well tell it to the generation following. For this is God, our God, forever and ever. He will be our guide. So one of the things to remember in this is, you know, how do we do this rightly? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We are not, the, the idea is not for our glory, for our purposes, for our vengeance against someone, right? We are to pray, we are to call upon God, we are to um, stand firm together singing, standing against those that rage against God, but we're looking to, for God to bring that deliverance, okay? And, and at the very end, what's the purpose, right? Walk about Zion and go all around her, count her towers, mark well her bulwarks, consider her palaces. For what reason? That you may tell it to the generation following, for this is God our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. So it, it is to teach others, right? Even, even if you look at the Old Testament law, several places where it talks about uh, dealing with issues and um, having to put someone to death, what was the purpose? So that all of Israel, it should be done publicly, and then all of Israel should, should learn from that. Uh, uh, Pastor, you're saying... The reason they're counting towers is so they can teach people. Do you think it literally is so that their children will know how many towers there were? Uh, what, what, do you, what do you actually mean? What is the significance of these 
specific uh, number of towers here? I, I think the counting of the towers is is to say um, it. I don't, I don't think it was about walking around Israel itself. I, I think that it was. But okay, if, if you have that, because I think it's well, its application for us is to say, what are the bulwarks? What are the what are the strengths of God? Well, I mean, we, the last book of the Bible does a whole lot of counting of that is all true. Of the specific aspects of the New Jerusalem. This is the same city, just the old, you know, the, the 1.0. You know, we're, we're waiting for the 2.0. And uh, so, I mean, if you don't think it's about the counting, what do you think it's about? Well, I'm pausing here a little bit. Okay. Only, yes, ma'am, go ahead. Boy. You, you got it out of that too easy. I'm going <laughs> to... No, no. Uh, I'm going to go way back in time. Yeah, please do. I mean, I've been married for 60 years, and I think that, that I heard this sermon in a very Reformed church before I was married. And the minister was, t- was preaching on this, and he said, you know, when you talk about Zion and go around her, you're walking around God's place. Mm-hmm. You're counting the bulwarks. You're saying, what's the strength of this place? Mm-hmm. And and he was, you know, challenging the church to do this. Mm-hmm. And know this so that you can communicate it to the next generation. Yeah, I so, think that that's so. closer to what I'm thinking it is. Okay, right, right. right. And that now was he, actually... Now that he's, he's going to crib off of what you, what your answer is. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> My, my my point was actually going to be in that way. First of all, I want to say... Oh, good. Oh, that's convenient. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you did actually... Hold, hold, hold on a second. A couple, couple of things here. Uh, I think it's... Uh, you've been married 60 years, so you thought of a sermon um, that you heard over 60 years ago. You know, I heard a preacher once say about it, you know, I've always been concerned about the shelf life of my sermons. Right, and clearly that one had an impression on you. I can only remember three or four I've ever heard that really stuck out in my mind. Um, but but that was really what I was going for. The counting of those bulwarks was was actually those towers was to say where is the strength in? Where does it lie in? And it lies in God. And I think that's the application for us. I do. But what caused me to pause, and I was going to bring this up at the close. Um, there's a, there's a couple of things here. Um, it talks about, and it's relevant, which then makes me think um, I'd want to explore kind of what you were talking about here. I'm all the way back. If you go back to Psalm 83, it makes, it makes uh, in verse 13, the Psalm 83, it says, uh, Oh, my God, make them uh, like a whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind as the fire burns the woods and the flame sets the mountains on fire. Um, the uh, when when you hear today's sermon, right? I want you to think about. And by the way, I had my sermon prepared and done before I studied this, and I didn't. I, I, I saw this small correlation here, but but in reference to what you're saying about, excuse me, the New Jerusalem, Jesus being the chief cornerstone, us being the the new temple. In the stones, I know you didn't quite take it that way, um, but that's what caused me to pause because the whole end of my sermon kind of fits into that. Uh, 
mindset here, but but uh, I'll, I'll just mention this now because it, it shows up in the sermon today that where was the temple built? Anybody know the actual geographic location? Mount Hermon? No. no <laughs> the Temple Mount. Uh, so yeah, but that's what it's called after they built the temple. Right. So what? What? who owned that property before it's David purchased it? David walked by uh, going to McCall and he's like, I'm going to get you one day. Philistines, right? No. No. Who who did he buy it from? That's right. But wait, before that though. Yes, yes. Okay, but but the point yeah. is, it was a threshing floor. Yeah. Right? God's house was built on a threshing floor to separate the wheat from the chaff for things to be burned away. Right? And and so when you when you think about that in connection to, you know, these enemies that are coming against you, make them like a whirling dust, the chap before the wind. It's, it, 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 it still brings it back to this being the Lord's battle. And his, his temple is a place of battle and deliverance. The worship that we do here on Sunday mornings, it's a battle. Yes, we need to go out. We need to confess our sins, uh, be instruments of righteousness for God throughout the week. But it starts right here. And the enemies of God are defeated in worship every Sunday as God's people gathered around the world come into his presence and take their prayers and petitions and concerns and we worship God and we are trusting him for that deliverance. And uh, any comments in our final three minutes? So I, I think, too, the point is is this. I can think of two people, one very close to me and then another one I met with recently. Um, if you don't think that there's a battle in, in a faithful church going on for the person that's struggling to surrender, um, why do they not want to go to church? Why do they resist that? I can think of someone I know that resisted they, they even tried to formulate their own way of, of being a Christian outside of being in the church. And they, they, the, their last defense against God was, I'm not going to go to church. Right? Praise God, in, in the last few months, they've surrendered that over. Okay? But, but, but 
I, I know of lots of people who you're having discussions with about God and they find it fascinating. They want to have those discussions, but then they won't go to a church. Why is that? Because there's a battle going on, right? There's a battle going on for people's souls. The Lord is dealing with people. And sometimes we think, um, well, I don't know. Did, did, did something happen in a person's life um, today? Yes, because we worship God. God's word was declared, and, and God was dealing with all of us, but certainly even with the lost. Yes. Uh, before we close, I want to fact check just a little bit. I, somebody else correct me, but I'm almost positive it was not the threshing floor of Karuna. Because remember, they, they brought it on a cart from there to where he wanted to build the temple, and somebody died on the way by when one of the oxes stumbled. It did not stay there. They actually have a monastery built there, and it's several miles outside of Jerusalem. Right, so. that's not the same place, 100%. Okay. Not Aruna, because you, you, you oh, can that's get... that's right, because the angel... It's second, that's right, it's 2 Chronicles... Um, and it's in my sermon. I'll give the reference okay. today. <laughs> cool. um, All right. I'll, I'll give the actual reference, but it's in Second Chronicles where you see. No, excuse me, that's not right. It, it, the, but the passage I will give. I will cite the passage okay. and read it to you uh, in today's sermon that shows that that David bought that, and that's where they built the temple. What was the name of the Yes, it was. No, 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 no. They sent it over by cart. That that issue is when David first tried to move it to bring it to Jerusalem. He didn't follow God's word on how to transport it. They put it on a cart, and it ended uh, up staying at somebody's place who was getting too blessed. So finally, they had to bring it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Right. A- anyway, um, so Can I say one more thing? yes, ma'am. Please and, do. It just hits me now. It, 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 you know, if we're trying to make the church so friendly everybody goes away with a warm feeling warm and feeling warm and fuzzy that's why they what happened, to make people right. <laughs> that what happens if you know everybody's struggling when they come to church which is really what they should be well and at, at the end of the day I, I got to tell you as your as your minister as I prepare sermons all week you know I'm repenting of my sins as I as I'm looking at it um, it, God's word ought to be uh, cutting us, molding us, um, making us more like Christ. And, and, and that's, that's really it. And here's the thing. This is why we must sing psalms. We must sing psalms in our homes, in our churches. We cannot, let, even when we're uncomfortable with the content, the problem is not the content. The problem is us. All right, let us pray. Our God and our Father, we give you praise. We thank you, O Lord, for your faithfulness to us. Lord, please prepare our hearts for the renewal of your covenant with us. We rejoice that you um, have come, that you are coming, and that even now, Lord, we ask you to come and bring both judgment and deliverance to your people, that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.